Today's our graduation Sunday service. Um, so today we're going to recognize those who graduated from high school and college this year. And this is something that I've been able to be a part of for a number of years now uh, as the youth pastor. Yeah, I preached my first Grad Sunday sermon back in 2015, and it was the first time that I'd ever preached in big church. And I went back and listened to it this week. Ooh. I always thought, oh, I did all right. <laughs> I did okay. <laughs> it was, don't go back and listen to it. Don't go on the website and find it. <laughs> um, I was nervous. We got through it. But what I wanted to do today to celebrate our seniors is I wanted to take that message that I did, what, eight years ago, and I wanted to preach it again. Um, because it's timeless, really, and it's something that uh, I've really used part of it throughout every grad Sunday that I've done ever since. I've used part of this message. Um, it's not completely original to me. I did get it from a, a youth pastor up in northern Indiana, a friend of mine. Um, but there's, there's still a lot of me in there. But um, it, the idea, though, there, there's a, a picture that we want to use today of hands. And it's a visual reminder for our message there's two positions that our hands can take that we want to use as those reminders. First position is what we would call the laying on of hands. And so in Scripture, as we're going to see a little bit later, there are descriptions and instructions for the laying on of hands when we pray over somebody. This is especially important when the church is commissioning someone who's going to work as part of the church or working outside the church on the church's behalf. For example, when um, I was ordained as a pastor, the, all of the elders were up here. They laid hands on me and, and prayed over me uh, when they ordained me. Um, we, did the, we do the same thing with our elders, and uh, a lot of time, I think we've done it with our deacons in the past as well. Um, but it's just a commissioning. The second position for our hands that's a good visual reminder is holding hands. Uh, this would be like a boyfriend and girlfriend or a husband and wife, a parent and a child, or friends. You know, it's, but it's a position of relationship. It's one that there's, there's a connection that's a little bit more intimate, and it can say something like, you know, we're in this together. Those are our two visual reminders for hands, the laying on of hands and the holding of hands. And so we're going to talk about these a little bit more a little bit later. Um, but one of the things that's been on my heart recently is asking myself the question, how am I putting my faith into action? How am I putting my faith into action? We talked about this in Sunday school uh, last week or the week before, uh, which we have at 9 a.m. every Sunday morning in the foyer if you want to join us. Um, shameless plug. But uh, what we talked about is how, you know, a lot of times we can come to church. We can do all the churchy things, all the Christian things. We can read. We can study the Bible all we want. We get all the head knowledge, but we never put it into practice. We never actually, you know, take what we learn here or take what we read and, and use it. And we don't translate it into our everyday lives. But we need to, right? Like, that is something that we absolutely have to do. Because you can have head knowledge, but if you don't actually translate that into every day, what are we doing? You're just, you know, the Bible says that knowledge puffs up, right? Um, but that's not what we want. Uh, so we have commissioned people to work in this church. And uh, I think it's been a while, but we've commissioned people to go from this church and to work somewhere other than necessarily at Maple Grove. But they're going on behalf of Maple Grove. 
we commission them. But what is the point of commissioning? You know, these people are putting their faith into action, right? That's what they're doing when we commission them. But, you know, that leads to the question, like, what about me? How am I putting my faith into action? Or how about you? How are you putting your faith into action? Because that is such an important thing. Because Jesus has commissioned all of us to put our faith into action. Now, the time between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, that, it's just an interesting time, right? Because everything Jesus said and did during his time on earth is important, right? It's important, inspired, powerful, eternal. But there's something about that time in between when he was resurrected from the dead and when he ascended back into heaven that makes me interested. Maybe it makes you interested too. And, and I say that because he knew that he was limited in the amount of time that he was going to have with his disciples, right? He knew that he was going to go back to heaven. Um, and, and if you think about it, how much more deliberate are we when we know that we've got a limited time with somebody? Uh, you know, all the other stuff, all the non-important stuff fades away. You get really down to like the brass tacks, right? It's like, well, these are things that you need to know. And that's what, you know, I'm going to tell you everything. Like, anytime I'm giving last-minute directions to somebody, I'm always like, oh, and this, 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 and this, this. Also, don't forget any of those things that I just told you in a specific order. Um, but it, it's also, especially, you know, if you know somebody who's, whose time on earth is limited, right? Like, that's going to be a time where it, it, it focuses you, right? The, the stuff that is not important doesn't really come up because you just want to spend time with the person um, and, and your words and your actions, they get a whole lot more deliberate when you're running out of time. So in light of this, let's read the last words of Jesus that are recorded in the book of Matthew, what Jerry read earlier, uh, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We all know this passage pretty well, I think. And if you don't, I mean, we've read it for you twice already. And you can just take a picture of the stone sign that's at the end of the driveway because it's engraved on the back of that. Um, there, there's, these are some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his closest followers. And at the heart of it is simply put your faith into action. We call this final passage in Matthew's gospel the Great Commission. But you know, what is a commission? What, what does that mean? Well, to answer that, let's look at the dictionary for a couple of definitions. First, there's two different ways you can use it. You can use it as a noun. You can use it as a verb. So let's look at the noun, which would be like a power or authority. The definition in the dictionary said a group of people officially charged with a particular function. So, for example, the FCC is the Federal Communications Commission. Right? That group has been given authority over advertising and broadcasts to determine what are acceptable standards, and they can apply those standards for the advertisers and the shows to follow. They've also been given the power to take action against anybody that goes against those standards that they've put in place, to fine them or, or whatever. That's the noun definition. It's a commission, but it's a power or authority. Commission can also be used as a verb. 
And when it's used this way, it can be a command to action. For as the dictionary defined it, give an order or for, to give an order for or to authorize the production of something such as a building, piece of equipment, work of art, something like that. For example, think about the Sistine Chapel, uh, the ceiling in the Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo, the painter, not the Ninja Turtle, um, was commissioned to paint the ceiling in 1506 by Pope Julius II. Michelangelo didn't really want to paint the ceiling because he thought of himself more as a sculptor instead of a painter. But uh, So he avoided the job for a couple of years, but eventually he accepted it. And over the course of four years, he painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. He used these uh, freestanding scaffolding, and he painted it according to one biographer as standing and looking up, kind of like this in painting, which for four years, if you do that, that seems awful. Um, and I've read other places where he's laying down and doing it. Like, there can't be a good way to paint a ceiling, I wouldn't think. I don't know. I don't think I've ever painted a ceiling. And that's not an offer to <laughs> want to paint a ceiling. So, but he was commissioned to do that. And, and now it is considered one of the cornerstone pieces of the Renaissance and Renaissance art. So for commission, we have the noun. It's a power and authority or a verb. It's a command to action. With these definitions in mind, let's consider the opening words of Jesus in the passage. First, Matthew 28, 18, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So that's the noun, right? Jesus is the power and authority. Just like the FCC has regulatory authority over the airwaves, Jesus has authority as well, except it's a little bit broader than what the FCC can do because Jesus has authority over heaven and earth. So let's keep going in verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples. And there's our verb, right? That's the command to action. Jesus gives his disciples the plan for how they are to continue his mission and to reach the entire world for his kingdom. And this statement is not just made to his disciples, but it's also made to us today. So think for a moment and ask a question. Where is Jesus in his authority? Where is he calling me to action? And I'll tell you, it's, it's in all the different areas of your lives. You know, it's at home. If you're still in school, it's at school. For some of you who are graduating, it's going to be in college. For a lot of us, it's at work, or it's in your social circles, and it's definitely in the times that are in between all of those others. Maybe, maybe he's calling you to action in doing something that you didn't think was possible for you to do, but you feel like God's stirring something up inside you. Maybe it's taking your God-given gifts and using them for his kingdom. Maybe it's getting rid of some things in your life so that you can focus on him better. It might be next door, might be somewhere across the globe. But whatever it is, wherever it is, Jesus has commissioned you and me to put our faith into action. Whatever of these it is for you, where and how God is calling you into action, remember, it's all about people. It's always about people. That's where the picture of the laying on of hands comes into play. There's a number of times in Scripture where uh, it shows moments where there was a laying on of the hands. 
Acts. And here's a few examples. The first two are from Acts. The second two are from Paul's letters to Timothy. First one is Acts 17, where he said, uh, where it's written that Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts 13, 3, it says, So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. In 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul writes, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through, the pro- through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And then 2 Timothy 1.6, he writes, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Here's what you can see in these scenes of the laying on of hands. The church, the leaders in the church, in their authority, they're passing on that authority. And when we lay hands on people, it's typically done on the shoulders, right? Um, and, and if you think about that, that's a spot where you are, you're pushing somebody out. You're, you're not doing it with anger, but you're empowering them. You're, you're empowering them to go out on their own in the authority of the church. And what do we do on this mission? Well, we go and we make disciples. We are to duplicate ourselves to help bring others to faith in Jesus, and then to help them and guide them, to walk alongside them, to be Jesus' disciples. So what do we need to do? We need to go. We've got to get outside of ourselves. We've got to take the message of Jesus to others. Now, there's different ways that that can happen. For, because for some people, they are gifted that they can get out and, and preach the message of Jesus like on the street corners to people. Like They are very gifted in that. For others, though, like they're going to work with folks in the context of a relationship that's built over time. They're going to model Christ for them and, and share their faith, talk about it with them. Some are going to go across the world to help share the message of Jesus, and others are going to stay local and work with people here. But the command is the same for everybody. It's to go and make disciples of all nations, and that includes ours. Ours needs it, too. Um, And we're talking to them about Jesus. We're praying that they're going to answer his call to follow them, to follow him. We baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit when they do decide to follow him. And then we can enter with them into a discipleship relationship where we're walking alongside them to teach them. And and what are we teaching? We're teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. We walk through it with them. We don't leave them on their way, on their own, to try and figure it out for themselves. Um, you know, which I'll be honest, as a church, we we got to get better at that, and we will. Uh, but it's it's they don't have to try and figure it out. Like, even if we're just a few steps in front of them, we can still help them. We can still guide. Now, that's a pretty quick run through of what Jesus says in Matthew twenty eight eighteen through 20 in the Great Commission. But there's one last part of what Jesus says here, and it's the, it's the best part, I think. Last words of Jesus in the book of Matthew in verse 20, where he says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You see, it's not just the Great Commission, but it's also the Great Co-mission. A lot of times we might feel like we get to the point where we shift over into the book of Acts and, and we see the disciples, and they're going out on their own to do this. They've been sent out on their own by Jesus, but they were never on their own. The last words of Jesus weren't, you know, go away and good luck. They were go and 
I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to be going with you. Now let that sink in a little bit because the same is true today. When Jesus calls you to go somewhere, he's, he's going to be right there with you. Jesus has commissioned you to put your faith into action, and he's going to walk in co-mission with you. And that's where the picture of holding hands comes into play. When they were little, I always enjoyed getting to hold hands with my nephews and my niece. Um, or now, since you know those three have gotten old and less cute, um, <laughs> my honorary nieces and nephew. <laughs> I remember one time I was over in the CE building before a service, and uh, we were trying to figure some tech thing out because they were doing worship over there in what's the kindergarten, second grade room now. And uh, Alice was over there, Austin Becca's kid. Alice, um, you may have seen the redhead running around. That would be her. Um, but she was over there. She was little at the time, but she was sitting back. They had those, like, square cushion things in the back, and she's sitting back there, and I saw her walking in. I was like, hi. And then, you know, I'm, I'm task-oriented, so I got to get on my task. And so I'm, I'm looking at whatever we were looking at, trying to figure it out. And at some point, though, I was just standing there, and I had my hand down. And I'm not looking toward the back, but all of a sudden I feel this little hand come up and grab mine. And I look down, I'm like, there's Alice. I'm like, oh. It's like, this is the best. <laughs> like, yeah, because it didn't happen a lot. Usually she'd come up and hit me. <laughs> I was like, yes. And then it happened this morning, too, which that never happens anymore. <laughs> She really will come up and hit me now, but it hurts more. But it happened this morning. She just came up, grabbed my hand. I was like, dude, you're going to be in my sermon for this thing. <laughs> like, this is awesome. There's something about holding somebody's hand, whether it's your uncle's hand, whether it's your mom, your dad's, right? You know, kids find comfort in that. You know, when they're feeling uncertain, they're feeling afraid, they're going to reach out and they're going to grab hold and they're going to be like, okay, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm totally good now. And it can boost their confidence. And they walk with a little bit more trust and a lot less fear because they know that they're holding hands with somebody who is going to keep them safe, right? Um, and, and, you know, even though Jesus physically stopped walking beside the apostles not long after he said these words at, at the end of Matthew, you know, through the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit, he started walking with them differently. But it wasn't any less powerful, in fact, the disciples, they received more authority and power when that happened. You ever stepped out in faith and you kind of felt alone? You felt nobody was there with you? Maybe you feel like, you know, you, you could feel God's presence more in the past, but maybe you're, you're not right now. I want to tell you, in, in reality, even though it may feel that way, he's still right there. He's still holding your hand. He's still with you. He, he's saying, you know, I've got you. I've always got you to the very end of the age. But he's also got his hand on, his sh on your shoulder, too, and he's, he's nudging you forward, pushing you out a bit. And he's also saying that you've got this. I want to give you an equation that um, I, I know it's math, and I'm sorry, and, but, um, but I think it can help us as we move forward, especially for you graduates, uh, as you're going off into you know, this new adventure in life. Sometimes you might get lonely. Maybe you're not making any friends. Maybe you're single a little bit longer than you hoped. Whatever it is. Here's an equation for you, though. It's me plus God. Uh, 
We put a question mark on there because, you know, you might have a couple of questions and doubts in this equation. You might ask, you know, is God really walking with me? And he is. But the second thing is, you know, if you know that God's there with you, is that enough for you? And, and that's something that you might have to wrestle with. If God is calling you to step out in faith, can you choose to trust him? Is me plus God enough? Now, that's all an individual challenge, right? But what about for us as a church body? Well, let's take a, a we approach. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you, are part, or now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. All of us, graduates, teenagers, kids, adults, we're all part of the church body, body of Christ. Church is meant to be the embodiment of Jesus on earth today. We're called to take the role, on the role of authority and empowerment that Jesus showed in Matthew 28, 18. So in other words, the church is functioning at her best when corporately living out the Great Commission while walking in co-mission with each other. And so I, I say that we should take up this attitude as we honor our graduates today. We've got four graduates, four, uh, three high school and, and one college that we're celebrating today. And they're, they're on, a, on the verge of a significant change in their lives. And, and so in a few minutes, like we're going to bring them up and introduce them to you, have them face you awkwardly while pictures are, on, are behind them. But this is a commissioning moment. And we're not necessarily sending them out to go into all of the nations, but they're soon going to be going to different schools or jobs, different realities. What if we, as the commissioned body of Christ, commissioned the Michelangelos that are going to come up here in just a moment to take these next few years, four years, or whatever, to paint their Sistine Chapel ceiling? Here's the kicker, though. As a youth pastor, you know, you, you get fed all these statistics, um, but there are reliable statistics that say 50% of graduating American seniors who are actively involved in youth group will not stick with their faith in their college years. And I can tell you that that's true because I'm proof of that. I don't know about you. Not real happy with that thought or okay with that thought. And, you know, for you students, I'm confident that's not you. Um, but for the rest of us, for the rest of the church, I, I can't help but thinking part of this, part of students not being able to stick with their faith is that, you know, they get off on their own into college or, or jobs or whatever, and it's kind of like, well, they're gone, and so we don't really think about them much anymore. And I hope that that's not going to be us. It might look and feel a little bit different, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible for us to walk in commission with our students. And there are some practical ways that we can do this. Two really important ones is prayer and to communicate. And so I ask you all, pray for this class as a whole. Um, and pray for them as individuals. And pray a lot, because they're going to need it. No offense to you guys. And then also communicate with them, even though there's going to be some distance and, and some not. But 
and who do you know, you know, when you, when you see, and, and you can always call us, and we'll give you an address or something, especially if you're going to send them a card or a text or a box of cookies or, you know, gift cards, right? Probably be good. <laughs> um, but whatever, whatever we can do to just love these kids. And we've got other kids that are still in college that need that too, um, still need prayer and and love um, from their church. And to the graduates, I want you guys to know that I love you guys, proud of you guys, and we all love you and are proud of you. And so we want to gather around these kids and, and commission them. So what I'm going to do is introduce our seniors who are graduating from high school and college. We'll start with the high schoolers. And so we'll start, I'm going to move this out a little bit. So we're going to start uh, with Ella Piercy, because, yeah, you got to come up here. <laughs> that way makes it easier, because everybody else over there, too. <laughs> so Ella is graduating from Bloomington High School North, and she's going to attend Marion University in Indy this next year. And uh, she's studying softball, for one. <laughs> and uh, otherwise, uh, she told me that she's going to work either on exercise, physiology, or business, where I heard there's like three other things that may happen. So honestly, Ella has no clue what she's going to do, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, so Ella. Uh, so Kristen Snooks, way back in the back. long walk back there. Look at that cute picture. Also, that one's really well taken, I must say. So I took that. Uh, Kristen also graduated from uh, North, and she's going to attend Ivy Tech to work on her general studies, get that done, which is the financially, fiscally responsible thing to do, which is good. And then she's going to figure out what she wants to do while she's there for the next year, for the rest of her life. Not that you're going to be there for the rest of your life. That would be, that would be bad. Look, I tried doing school for a very long time. So. It kind of works. <laughs> and Caleb Van Horn. Caleb is graduating from Owen Valley High School, and he's going to join the workforce, right? All right. And then we have one college graduate that we, that we know is uh, Brian Barber, who is not here, but he's graduating from IU Law School. So, I know. You get another lawyer in this church. <laughs> Tom's getting old, so we got to... <laughs> what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to pray for these kids, and I'm going to ask Jerry, because you're closest, can you come up here with us? Because I don't have that many hands. Um, so come here, come stand in the middle. You stand here, you guys, you stand here, and then we're just going to pray. I'm going to pray for you guys as, uh, as we get finished up today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just, uh, I'm just so thankful for uh, these graduates, and so thankful that they have been faithful to 
um, this church and to be here throughout their uh, high school career and, and uh, thankful for Brian as well. Um, I know that they love you and um, and want to live for you. And so, Lord, I just pray for them as they are going off on this new adventure in their life. I pray that they would take to heart that, you know, you're, we're, we're kind of pushing them out, um, but we're also, as a church, we want to be there with them. But far more importantly, we know that you are going to be there with them because you have promised that in your word um, in, at the end of the, the Great Commission. You said, I will be with you always into the age. We want to rest in that promise, Lord. And so as they go off into new ventures, whether it be school or work or, or whatever, uh, we just pray your blessing over them, pray your protection over them, and uh, just let them know that we love them so, so much. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. These are our graduates. Oh, wait, don't leave yet. Don't, wait, come back, come back. Come back. I have books because you know me. I like books. So this is a lovely book that's called Go Outside and 19 Other Keys to Thriving in Your 20s, which you guys will be at at some point. So um, also there's an Amazon card in the back. So, but yeah, don't tell anybody. <laughs> and then I've got one for Brian too. All right. Well done. We've commissioned the seniors. That's, that's awesome. Now we want to walk in commission with them. We want to walk alongside them. So keep praying for them. Um, communicate with them. If you ever feel the desire to send a card or, or uh, anything to them, yeah, cookies are always good. You ever want to send a cookie to your pastor too? <laughs> he will accept those as well. Just Throwing it out there, you know. I graduated a couple of years ago, so that should be something. Anyway, it's not about me. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, we'll, we'll finish up with uh, communion and um, singing again. We'll sing some more praises to Jesus. Father, uh, again, I just thank you so much for this day that we are able to, that w we come and, and we celebrate those who have put in a lot of work um, in school and just that, you know, they're, they're getting ready to start something new. And it can be, it can be a difficult time. Um, it's a time where you're going to get filled with uh, some new ideas, some different ideas. But, Lord, we, we just pray that, and we know, we're confident that you will be there with them. I just pray that they would uh, continue to be rooted in your word, Lord. Let that be the lens through which they look at all of life. And um, just remember that you are there holding their hands as, as you're also pushing them out a bit. And Lord, we know that we can rest in this because of what you did for us on the cross. That, that we are, are rescued from our sin and the things that have taken us away and separated us from you. But in sending your son Jesus. To be the perfect sacrifice. That, that we needed. Uh, we know that, that we are restored. 
to your side, Lord. And we cannot wait for the day when you come back and take us home. And so, Father, at this point in our service, we take the time to remember that sacrifice uh, of Jesus on the cross. As we take the bread that represents his body, we take the juice that represents his blood, and we just take that time to really just focus in to honor and remember the sacrifice. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.